Hello and welcome to Unconditioning Love, where I, Lydia, your host, guide you through the profound journey of deconstructing love to rediscover its unconditional essence. Join me as we explore stories of resilience, speaking with individuals from the LGBTQ community, those who have found love post-narcissistic relationships, and courageous souls breaking free from high-control religions. Together, let's unravel the layers of conditional love and embrace the boundless beauty of love without conditions. Hello and welcome to today's mini episode. So one thing about living in Asuncion, Paraguay is that parasites are pretty common. And my dog um, contracted Giardia and we found out about this like three days ago. Um, She became very, very sick. We took her to the vet and she stayed overnight and then she's been home, but she's been very sick at home. Um, And we have another dog, so we're just kind of juggling that. And then also Giardia is, it is possible for humans to get it, although it's rare that usually there's a different strand of Giardia um, that humans get versus dogs. Um, But it is possible that they could have the same type. And so we're being very careful at our house. It's just been like one of those weeks. And so I am um, parked at our local park and I'm just sitting in my car recording this episode because my dog is barking nonstop because poor thing, she just is not feeling well at my house. So I wanted to, um, you know, keep up with my promise to you of doing these weekly um, episodes. And before I dive in, I just wanted to mention that um, if you have an Apple phone or Apple iPad or anything Apple for that matter, and you can go onto your Apple podcast and review the podcast that way. That would be super helpful. Right now, we have zero reviews. We have some ratings, and I'm very grateful for those. Um, The reviews help so much uh, because people are able to read through that and learn a little bit about the podcast, and it also helps with um, the algorithm to get that podcast out to more people. So by you taking the time to review the podcast, I just want to say in advance, thank you so much for those of you who do that. It is very helpful for me. Um, so today's episode, I wanted to dive into this aspect of professing funerals and grief and grief, not having a place, not having space really in the room. Right. Um, and so for some of you listening to this, you may be like, why are you going to do a whole episode about funerals? But I have found that every person experiences grief at one point or another. Every person Um, loses someone that they love at one point in their life. So this is something that is universal. It touches everyone. And for those of us who grew up in um, a high control religion, not just for those of us who grew up in the meetings, but also any high control religion, um, usually the way that they conduct funerals or losing someone, um, because we're taught that there is not room for these certain negative, quote unquote, negative feelings like I think I've mentioned this before here in the podcast, but I don't see feelings as negative or positive. They're feelings and they're meant to pass through you and they're meant to be released from you. But when we grow up in an environment where we're taught that anger is bad and, you know, you can't be too sad, especially not for a long period of time or like there's a very prescribed amount of time that's allowable for you to grieve and then you have to like stop grieving and you know move on move forward kind of like put that happy smile on and move move forward in life um so with that being said 
what happens is that grief ends up sitting in the body because it doesn't have a place to go or that anger goes into the arms like anger hangs out in the arms a lot um, it goes into physical areas of the body and then you may have an experience like years later that triggers that same anger that's just been hiding out there so feelings stay in the body until they are ready to be released until you're in the space until you're in the mental and emotional space like a safe space to release those feelings and what I have found about um, the meeting grieving is that sometimes I've noticed that some people will grieve like what you would maybe think of as grief like crying um, a lot but because they're not taught because because they have such an idea about that this is like a negative thing they don't actually allow themselves to go into it they're like it's like there's so much fear and I really feel like fear is a big primal aspect here when it comes to like the feelings that we experience as humans on a spectrum because there are lots of different feelings um, but when you fear the feelings then you don't allow yourself to go into them so what happens a lot of times as a repercussion is you'll find that there's just a lot of crying but you don't actually have that relief that normally like when you're actually crying in the emotion like you're you're going into the feeling and you're allowing yourself to go there and to feel what the loss that you experienced what happens when you do that is it releases and you're able to move forward um, and you stop crying and you don't need to cry anymore because it's it's done but what happens when you're crying without being a, like allowing yourself to go into those emotions is you don't ever feel like it's done like you you're you're done crying but you feel like you could cry more because it, you're you haven't released right does that make sense hopefully it does um and so growing up I went to a lot of funerals because I grew up in Kentucky and um the next youngest person besides like my brother and myself was like 40 or 50 years old in our little gathering every Sunday so we were surrounded by a lot of old people um, I was homeschooled and we hung out with a lot of older people as well. This has given me skill sets that I'm very thankful for. Um, it has taught me to be a nurturer. It has taught me how to, you know, interact with all ages. Like I have a lot of beautiful things that have come from this. Um, we, because we were in Kentucky and surrounded by elderly community, um, and we all sing, like my family sings, we just love singing. And so we started to become like the family that um, sang at the funerals. So what this meant was starting at 11 years old, um, I started going to funerals. I would probably go to like maybe three every month, um, but it depended. I mean, sometimes it was more, sometimes it was less, but like I went to so many funerals and most of the people I had never met before. Um, and meeting funerals are really, they say, like, if you ask someone in the meetings, like, what is a meeting funeral like? They're going to say, like, oh, it's like a gospel meeting. It's an opportunity. It's one of the only opportunities. This is how they would they would say it, I think, um, for us to, like, if I was in the meetings and I was describing it to someone, I would say it's one of the only opportunities that we get where we have a room half full of people who don't go to meeting. And so this is the opportunity for them to get to know God. So in that aspect, they don't 
honor the person who has passed away, at least not very much. Like usually they'll mention little aspects depending on their life and what they were, you know, if they were in, in the preacher's mind um, serving God or not. Um, because I have been to funerals where they were, you know, not living in the way that they were not professing um, and they were not living in the way that the preachers deemed um, honorable before God. And so those funerals are really interesting because you have to like step or the, the preachers who are preaching about, you know, this person's life. They don't really mention much about their life. It's more about like scripture and they really do turn it into like a, a gospel meeting or like the, the meetings that for those of you who are not familiar with um, my church, it's like gospel meetings are where the preachers go um, and preach for an hour. And so like the congregation meets together and it's the opportunity for new people to learn about this way of belief. And so um, because of this structure of the funerals, grief was not really allowed. There was no space to actually honor the person who has passed away and allow yourself to, you know, in a group setting, in a communal aspect, you know, to um, sit with the feelings of, of your loved ones and, and really respect them and, and talk about what they meant to you and, and about, you know, the different memories and these things that when someone passes away, this is like so important for us to be able to have that space where, you know, the freedom and the circle of friendships, this close circle of people where we are able to, to, um, process that grief that we're going through in a safe and, you know, a constructive way. And so it was interesting just growing up. I mean, I honestly lost count of the funerals that I sang at um, and that I went to just so many funerals. And we did this, you know, throughout the day, like during the week, a lot of times funerals end up on a weekday. So like, because I was homeschooled, this was like part of our structure, you know, like we, oh, today we have a funeral on our list of things that activities to do. Um, and so it was something that, I thought about and I don't think I had a full grasp or understanding um, but I can tell you that one thing that happened um, was one of um, my dear 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 friends passed away and someone asked me if I would sing in that funeral and I I said no like it's interesting because I didn't refuse the workers very often at all um but this was one of those times and they totally understood it wasn't there was no like pressure but it was just sort of this realization that like they don't realize that I think the whole community I don't know how much I don't know how much um understanding there is around the harm that is done in a situation like the funerals, I mean, because this is how, as a child, this is how we're learning um, how to deal with grief. And so when you're just expected to like, oh, you know, like they passed away, that's okay. Like we're just moving on. Like, and there's not actually even room to, to honor like our loved one. Um, then it, it teaches you this certain idea about like, there is no space. There is no space for grief. So what do you do? You move forward and, um, and you don't sit in it at all. Like you don't have enough 
time to actually process. So then it just ends up sitting in you, like it stays in your body um, for a very long time indefinitely until you're, you get to a point where maybe like you have health issues or something like, or maybe the, the best scenario is that you realize that you have a lot of heaviness that you've been carrying and you search out therapy, you search out different um, types of healing in order to learn how to navigate your grief. And so this is part of why I became so fascinated about, um, about these different healing tools of learning how to, um, how to teach people how to do that, right? So that's a part of the work that I do. A huge part of the work that I do is leading people into their body and helping them to, you know, hold space for all of their feelings, their anger, their sadness, their good emotions too, because that was the other aspect. And we're not going to talk, I'm not going to talk too much about this today, but we weren't allowed to experience like really good feelings either. So, I mean, feelings are meant to be felt. And when we have, when all of a sudden these like really good feelings that are meant to be very positive in our life are labeled as negative, then that, um, ends up in our body and then we have this association with that in the future and so then we feel guilty when we experience something too positive and then we tone it down and then we you know because of toning it down in that moment it loses its joy like we we lose our joy from life because of that so everything is just dulled down um so this is where as humans it is really 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 important for us to grieve when we lose our loved one and I just want to share a little experience uh, about something that happened um, after leaving the meetings. So my husband and I, when we moved to Paraguay, like moving to a new country, um, we didn't know anyone. And so we completely created our community from scratch. Um, and not having any family here outside of like just him and me, <laughs> um, the people around us became our family very quickly and it was a very it's a very special thing to go through um and we met this brother and sister who um, became our friends very quickly like we met them within two weeks of moving to Paraguay and they started coming over to our house for game nights every week and so that started in 2019 um and then in 2021 um I remember one week when Leo, the brother, he called me, um, and his voice was almost out, like he was like not able to talk very much at all, and he told me that he had gotten COVID, and that he wasn't going to be able to come that night um, to game night, and then just like a few days later, um, he had to go to the hospital, and it was right at the peak of when COVID was the worst here in Paraguay, and all of the hospitals were overloaded, and they didn't have enough um, rooms for him, so he needed oxygen right away, but they didn't have that. Um, and then when he needed the ventilator, they also didn't have that. Um, and so he passed away um, quite quickly. And um, so losing him, that was really hard, obviously, because he was, he made up a big part of our little community here. Um, but what was beautiful is that we like got together all of us and um we had a ceremony we all wrote down something special on the balloon about our memories with him and then we like all talked about it together and his sister and I like um sang a little bit and 
And then there was another trip that we, that she and I did, uh, we walked up to the Cerro, which is like a little mountain, um, where he had proposed to his girlfriend. And like, we were there when he proposed, he asked, um, his sister and I to like sing while he proposed. So it was like this really beautiful memory that we had. So we went back there and like, we honored him that way as well, going up to the Cerro and we like, um, sang some of his favorite songs together. And, um, he was very into music and he and I sang a lot together. Like, I mean, pretty much every time that they would come over, we would end up singing. Um, and so it was just like a really beautiful way to honor his life. And, um, and it felt really good because we were all able to like share about, you know, these are, these are the things that we loved about Leo and this is how he has changed our life forever and we're going to continue to carry these memories on with us and um so I just wanted to like share this it's a very intimate and personal um memory and I'm trying really hard not to cry because it is quite emotional to think about um but I guess now I just from the place that I'm standing at now I'm so grateful that I know how to grieve <laughs> and that I allow myself the space to grieve. Um, and when we lose people that we love, that it's, it's good to honor them. And it's good to, you know, whatever that looks like for them and for you and, and for your relationship to create a memory um, or like to, to create a um, ceremony or some way where you are able to with other people to you know honor their life and remember them and share about what they meant to you and and this is just like it's so important it's just such a, an important aspect of grieving and um, and I'm really really grateful on this side of things to to be able to have that and even to like look back on losing Leo and those beautiful memories that that we got to create after losing him together like his sister and um, some very close friends and us just like processing through that together and that um, and that was beautiful and um, I'm grateful now to be free of you know um, that belief that there is no space for me to grieve, that, that, you know, um, grief is something that is negative, um, or that it has a certain timeline, uh, like you're allowed to grieve for this amount of time, and then it's done, like no more, because that's not how grief works, and, you know, there are different stages of grief, and those stages don't happen, like, consecutively, they happen at different times, and then you may experience the same one over again, this is how grief is. And um, just allowing yourself that space to grieve. And if you don't feel like you have the tools to do that yet, and you're not sure even how to navigate that, um, there are many options out there. So just finding like, the first step is the awareness of, oh, this is something that I need. The second step is, you know, searching out what it is for you that works because I could tell you a bunch of things that work for me but you have to find your you know what works for you so um, there are lots of resources out there um, therapy is the very first one that I'm going to recommend and if you're interested I send out emails twice a week and these emails consist of lots of different things that have to do with you living your best life so I talk about our feelings and how to navigate those and 
Um, I give a lot of tools for those who resonate with being highly empathic um, or like highly sensitive. The emails are a mixture of me sharing my personal experiences and giving you different tools and techniques that all have to do with you stepping into your power, coming back to your heart and allowing yourself to feel all of the feelings and really live that full spectrum of the human experience that you were meant to live. This is like if I could give myself um, tools and resources like maybe two years ago, this is what I'm doing within the emails that I provide. And I'm a life coach, so I am very, like, I love to motivate people, so you may feel that a little bit in the, the messages. Um, and my somatic healing work that I do is very much within the messages as well, just bringing together, you know, resources and meditations for you and um, helping you to come back to your heart and um, really live that best life that you were meant to live. So if this is interesting to you, then you can find this at LydiaKeeney.com and you can sign up for my um, bi-weekly emails. I hope that you've enjoyed today's episode. I have enjoyed recording it for you and I hope you have a beautiful week. You have been listening to Unconditioning Love. I am Lydia, your host, and I ask that if you gained something from this podcast, even if it was just to help you to think a little bit more deeply about a concept, I ask that you would go onto iTunes and review this podcast. It's super, super helpful, guys, whenever you rate or review the podcast. Um, and another way that you can give back is through sharing this podcast. Share it with a friend, share it with someone who would also benefit from listening. You can also share it on your Instagram stories and you can tag me at keeny.lydia and I'm going to spell that out for you. It's K-E-E-N-E-Y dot L-Y-D-I-A. I'll see you next week.